I speak in the name of God the Father, and of God the Son, and of God the Holy Spirit. Amen. So here it is, Trinity Sunday. And pretty much my sermon is encapsulated in my previous sentence. I speak in the name of God the Father, and of God the Son, and of God the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells his disciples in the upper room, he has many things to tell them, but they can't bear them now. He says they can't grasp the things he has to tell them. I wonder if we shouldn't just stop here. I too have many things to tell you, but neither you nor I can fully grasp the ideas that I want to share. So maybe a few minutes of silence to ponder the Trinity or the Creed. Maybe we could repeat the Creed a couple times to get it straight in our minds. Come on, work with me here. Um, okay, I'm going to try to talk about difficult things. And you, for you, your part, you try to pick up what I'm putting down. <clears throat> there is a saying some attribute to St. Augustine, others to a favorite seminary professor, that goes like this. If you deny the Trinity, you could lose your soul. If you try to understand it, you could lose your mind. <laughs> I can attest to that after this week. And I think I'm supposed to, on this Trinity Sunday, explain the unexplainable and make you understand the mystery that has eluded theologians and everyday Christians for 2,000 years. So here goes. The doctrine of the Trinity has been called the most puzzling doctrine in the Christian faith and the central truth of the Christian faith. So which is it? Inscrutable puzzle or central truth? The answer is both are true. The Trinity is a doctrine that all Christians profess to believe but no one really understands. It is central to what we believe. Every time we bless ourselves, we proclaim the mystery of the Trinity in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We hold many beliefs and stories in common with other religions. Our Jewish brothers share our Old Testament history, our Psalms, our prophetic writers. Our Muslim brothers share many of our Old Testament stories, some with a slightly different twist, others with a completely different twist. And the woman mentioned most often in the Quran is Mary, the mother of Jesus. But only the Christian religion teaches that there are three persons in one God. It is a mystery we will never be able to fully comprehend, yet is the heart and soul of Christian life. Now, many have tried to explain it with various metaphors and illustrations. And I want to be clear here that as far as I, can, as I know and as far as anybody can explain, nobody has been trying to be heretical using these metaphors. They're just trying to give us something concrete to hang this concept on. Um, we have St. Patrick, who may or may not really have used this, different writings say different things, but he is attributed to this, that the shamrock is a way to understand 
the Trinity because it is three in one, three parts of one thing. But some say that that is tritheism and you've got three gods, so that's considered a heresy. Some use an egg. They say it's got three parts. It's got a shell, it's got the white, it's got the yolk. But they're saying that's modalism because they're not all one, they're three separate things. Others use the sun, you know, you've got the sun and then it's got its heat and it's got its light, but they're not really all the sun. The heat and the light are created by the sun and we're saying that they are co-creators, they are one, they were all there. We talk about water in three forms and, and in this setting I can only show you two. We got water, we got ice, pretend there's steam. <laughs> However, that's, that's just God switching roles to, you know, in, in different temperatures they can't coexist and the Trinity coexists. They're all there at the same time in three persons, one God. Some use a person. Um, for different roles. So we might say that Josh is a priest and he's a father and he's a husband. But again, God just doesn't hide behind a different mask when he's doing different things. So again, that's just not quite it. All are inadequate and at one time or another all have been called heretical. Each part of our triune God is complete and is God. God the Father, God the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. Some of these metaphors just can't quite help us to get it all into one part and others kind of get us thinking a little sideways and that's not helping. The proof of the Trinity may, may be that this is just so hard and so complicated that who could have made it up? It must be some very godly mystery that God understands and as human beings we just wrestle with it. I must confess that words are just inadequate in this context. I know what I want to say. I know how I feel and what I believe in my heart. And yet when I try to put these words into feeling, um, I feel like a French exchange student with two years of English who's come to the United States for the summer saying, um, how you say? There are no words. And if there are words, if I find words, I get lost before I can put the words together. If it's so hard to understand, then why do we hold so strongly, so firmly to the belief that there is one God in three persons? Because it's biblical. I can quote Bible verses that point to the Trinity. It is noteworthy that the Trinity is not named as the Trinity in the Bible. The word the Trinity is not in the Bible. But in Genesis, right at the beginning, Genesis 1, verse 2, we read that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then in verse 26, we hear, let us make man in our image. Our image. If God is not in three parts, why is there our image? We read in today's epistle in Romans that hope does not disappoint us. Why? because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. Then there's John 1, 
which some of you may have even memorized, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. How can anyone comprehend this statement without thinking of the Trinity? The Word, Jesus, was with God, and the Word was God. Simple, and yet so very complex. In 2 Corinthians 14, Paul closes with perhaps the most definitive look at the Trinity when he writes, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And Jesus, at the very end of Matthew, a verse that is very dear to most Baptists and has been called the Great Commission, says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says that. The word Trinity may not appear in the Bible, but the Trinity keeps showing up. Mysteriously, overtly, hidden, or blatantly obvious, but in our carnal and concrete world, I just don't have words or even enough actual knowledge to paint you a word picture. When I'm at a loss for words, I can sometimes say or explain things in sign language, what I'm trying to say. In sign language, it's always about painting a picture. I can tell you all about a car accident in a very few signs. Because I'm not telling you word, 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 word. I'm painting you a picture. I can say, I was driving in front of the church, I was driving along when all of a sudden this other car came out of a side street and plowed into my driver's side. I can say it this quick. I'm finished. I got a picture. You can see the picture. I don't have a picture. It's all visual. So in sign language, the Trinity is signed. See, it's a picture. Three in one. It's a picture I can hang on to. It's a trick picture. It's what I got. In today's gospel, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. The spirit of truth will bring glory to me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And he speaks of the Father. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Even in that sentence, the three parts are intertwined in such a way that it's difficult to see the beginning or the end of each part. It would have been much easier if today's reading were the baptism of Jesus. Much easier. As soon as Jesus came up from the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. That's a Hollywood moment. Mic drop, you get it. I'm done. But in this cycle of readings, I get to preach on, I have many things to say to you, but you can't hear them now. It seems that God wants to love us. He wants us to love him. In all of our brokenness, in all of our inability to comprehend, he still seeks relationship with us. The amazing thing is you don't have to understand everything about God to have a relationship with the three persons of the Trinity. God longs to share his life with you. 
and he longs for you to be open to sharing your life with him. In all of the three persons of the Trinity, he wants to be in relationship with you. He comes to you in his three persons to play many roles in your life. As God the Father, he wants to be your Abba, your Daddy, who teaches and cares for you. As God the Son, Jesus died for you, for you, and rose from the dead so that you could also have a new life at, with him and in him. Even when we sin and wander off and get lost in the woods and are muddy from our encounters in the world, he wants to carry us home on his shoulders and wash us clean. As the Holy Spirit, he wants to pour God's love into you, guide you, and give you a message of hope and peace. Now, I guess in light of the fact that this topic is a minefield of heresies and a blasphemy, I want to point out something I learned from a priest, a teacher, at ICS, the Institute of Christian Studies. He told me that in the Episcopal Church, we profess the creed after the sermon. And he says he doesn't think that's a mistake or, or an accident. Because if the person gets up here and preaches and everything they say is a heresy, they sit down, we stand up and say, I don't care what he said, this is what we believe. So that's my disclaimer, did my, 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 did my best to tell you what's going on, but if I did it wrong, you just stand up and say this is what we believe. So back to the Trinity. Play with the Trinity, ask questions about it, struggle with it. But struggling to know God is good. Struggling with doctrines is good, especially when it's all about trying to love God more. We need both our heads and our hearts, though, to truly love God. Don't give up on your head, because the more you study God, the more you will love God. The whole point of learning and study is to deepen your love of God. And God is faithful. He will respond to your study with love, and you will be drawn deeper into that mysterious, all-powerful, and irresistible love of God love of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, one God, for which we were created. Amen.